Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You are listening to Linux in the Hampshire. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello and welcome everybody. You have tuned in to episode number 386 of Linux in the Hampshire, the most terrific amateur radio podcast on the internet. We have made the transition into 2021, and we are back doing the thing that we do, talking about Linux and open source and all the things on either side and in between. And I guess we'll go ahead and tell you who we all are for those folks who may be jumping on board in 2021. You're moving your headset. Uh, no, I was actually moving my head. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the thing is, the thing is crap, but yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll work on that for next time. I've, I've got some other options. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and just do it. Uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD. And if Cheryl sounds a little bit different, that's because unfortunately she's, uh, had an accident and has to be in a different room than me. So she's not able to use the, uh, wonderful sound recording setup that we have, but. We will uh, take care of that for next time around. Uh, of course, if you're hearing this and you heard the last episode, you already knew that. But anyway, <laughs> let's let's go ahead and dive right in. We don't actually have a lead topic tonight except to say it's 2021 and Linux in the Hamshack is back. Yay. <laughs> so good enough topic, I guess. Yes, we, I, I need to get a soundboard back online so we can have some sound <laughs> effects and stuff. Got to go. Got to do the full Rich Gordon. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That's right. Overproduce. <laughs> Overcomplicate. Uh, yeah, we'll come up with a neat slogan for that, too. <laughs> it's new for 2021, Noises by Rich. <laughs> I mean, you just have, need to have Rich record us some weird sounds, and we'll use those. There you go. But in the meantime, let's go ahead and talk about some amateur radio topics, and Bill's going to tell us about some stuff that's coming up here. Yeah, that's right. We got uh, alerted that State QSO Party Programs is going to be expanded for 2021. So beginning in 2021, the State QSO Party Group is offering uh, even more exciting awards and activity programs. It includes the State QSO Party Challenge, which is similar to the 2020 State QSO Party Challenge competition, and the new Worked All QSO Parties Award program. Sorry, <laughs> had a swallow in the middle of that. Uh, the annual State QSO Party Challenge recognizes all amateur ra- uh, radio amateurs' participation in the U.S. state and Canadian province QSO parties. It is open to any radio amateur who participates in any of the approved state QSO parties that you can find on their website. Uh, participants must simply submit their scores to 3830scores.com. Most of your contest logging programs have a little button to automatically do that. Uh, to be included in the challenge. And then the new one, the Worked All QSO Parties Awards Program. Let me see here. Uh, the WAQP program is administered by the State QSO Party Group and is sponsored by ICOM America. These awards are available to all licensed amateur operator radio operators who meet the, the specific award requirements. 
<laughs> to qualify, all applicants must adhere to the state keys of party challenge rules and the WAQP program rules. Uh, awards include certificates for participating in at least 50% of the SQP challenge approved contests with the goal of participating in all of the approved contests, which I think there's like 50 something. <laughs> so quite a few. Uh, uh, the WAQP requires that operators submit a log with at least two valid contacts to the contest manager in addition to the 3830scores.com score submission. So you do have to send in a log and get that turned in on time for each of those state QSO parties. And, of course, uh, the link to the state QSO parties is in the show notes. And I believe the very first one comes in in February. So no no rush to get worried about getting all these in. But I think the very first one, if I remember correctly, is the Vermont QSO party. I believe that's the first full weekend in uh in February. So yeah, check out the state QSO parties uh the updates and changes and get ready to have some uh increased activity in the QSO parties. All right, very cool. And uh sort of on the opposite end of the spectrum of new and exciting things, we have new and unhappenings. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the unhappenings. <laughs> the unhappenings, yes. And Bill put in here another one. Bites of dust, yeah. apparently. Yeah, we had, I think we talked no, about. And another one. No, come on. It's Khalid. You got to be like, come on. You got to be current. Where, where, another one bites the dust. Come Khal- <laughs> Who the hell is Khalid? No, just exactly. <laughs> Old man. <laughs> Khalid, Khalid is the one who gave, uh, or who lost a no. bet to Jimmy Kimmel and had to give him a, a jet ski, right? That, that was the thing. With- I, I think so. I don't know. I yeah. don't know about that. <laughs> anyway, in, in the world of unhappenings. <laughs> Um, in October, we heard about Hamcation in Orlando being postponed to 2022. We received notice at the end of the year that Hamcom was not only not having an in-person event in 2021, but it, that was going to not be a Hamcom anymore or a com or a thing. Just, uh, it's going to be an unthing. It's an unthing. It's an unthing. And now that we have received notice as well that CPAC, which generally happens in June, is not going to have an in-person event. And, uh, Michael Kelter, Calter, Calter, something like that. Calter, yeah, I don't know. Calter, something, K-A-L-T-E-R, Whiskey 8 Charlie India from the DARA organization has, uh, the manager's hamvention was on the amateur radio roundtable last week and stated quite clearly that they have not made a decision but would make one before the end of the quarter. I, I know they're sounding hopeful <laughs> and, uh, considering, considering that, you know, there's a lot of money involved in hamvention, I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be hopeful right up until they cancel it, but uh, well, <laughs> you know it is what it is. Yeah, we're hoping that they'll make a decision either towards the end of this month or February. At least that's kind of what he indicated while he was on the show. Um, but I mean, I mean, we kind of see the writing on the wall here, considering CPAC actually falls the month after <laughs> I mentioned. Now, mind and there's you, a new that's strain in, of COVID. Yeah, mind you, that's in you know the Washington, so it's it's in a totally different area of the country and stuff like that. And but, we should should have some propagation of vaccine by then. And yes, there is a new strain of COVID, but they've already said that the current vaccine is at least somewhat effective against it. So I don't know. We'll see how it goes. It's just a it's a wait thing, as we've been doing for the last nine months. So yeah. <laughs> Get those stabbers out and stab people in the arms with the vaccine, and let's get going. Exactly. And in the meantime, there will be 
another QSO Today Virtual Ham Expo that Bill's going to tell us about, and we are apparently going to be a part of this one again, assuming I ever get off my ass and talk to Eric. Um, but he's he's already invited us back, so I, I just have to do. I basically just have to get in touch with him and say yes. So anyway, awesome. go ahead. Yeah. So QSO today, since there's nothing but virtual for us, uh, the QSO today virtual ham expo ticket sales are now open. They should be at least. They said it would be open to I think earlier this uh this week. Anyway, uh, after our last expo, we asked uh, for feedback. This is from their website. Uh, we asked for, for feedback from the amateur radio community on how we could make the next expo even better we received great suggestions many of which we've incorporated into our upcoming event whether you're a ham that doesn't want to travel because of covid or just live too far from a hamvention or uh, i guess i guess a hamvention is fine <laughs> Uh, like a hamvention, yeah. A hamvention, yeah, or, yeah. or yeah, whatever. <laughs> Don't kill us, Dara. It's, we know it's the <sighs> hamvention. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, the the Q Today Expo offers the opportunity to learn from many great speakers, meet exhibitors, to see the latest technology, and engage with fellow hams without leaving your home ham shack. And save thousands of dollars since you don't have to worry about travel, food, and lodging. Early bird tickets are just $10. That's right, kids. You heard it from here. It is $10. It is not a free event uh, to help cover the cost of the event. The tickets will be twelve fifty at the door. I'm assuming that is if you go past the registration period <laughs> and include an entry for the live two day period as well as a 30 day on demand period. Attendees have the opportunity to listen and engage with 60 plus internationally recognized ham radio luminaries that have committed to lead expo sessions. Uh, take part in live virtual kit building workshops. Kits will be available for purchase and delivered to you in time for the expo. So you can participate and build from the convenience of your home. Walk through virtual exhibit hall filled with popular amateur radio suppliers. Watch for uh, new product demos and interact directly with booth staff. At this expo, we'll introduce new video technology to enable a better experience while engaging with exhibitors. That should be interesting. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> can't sit in your shack naked and talk to people uh well you can <laughs> you I can mean, just don't have the camera on. <laughs> yeah. anyway uh prior to the expo they take advantage of our new speaker calendar technology to download speaker times into your local time zones uh, to google and outlook calendars uh this way you'll have a complete schedule of what sessions you want to participate in return over the next 30 days to per- listen and uh, sorry to listen to speakers you missed during the live period uh explore and re-engage exhibitor offerings so this is coming to your desktop laptop and tablet i guess it could come to your phone too so hey don't don't be uh, hating on the phones uh on <laughs> march 13th and 14th 2021 and on demand until april 12th 2021 yeah, and that's anymore. all the information. Yeah, that's all the information right from their webpage. Information. So yeah, information. <laughs> Man, I don't know. Two days. See, this is what happens when we start late. We get you get into the sauce too heavy and. <laughs> oh yeah, that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> that's exactly what my point. So <laughs> you definitely need to start at least an hour earlier. <laughs> and you're you're flat topping. I think you're. So, oh, am I? Yeah. Okay. I'll just back off the mic a little bit. I'm talking right into it. So yeah. Um, Anyway, so anyway, well, that's that's all we've got in the world of amateur. Well, it's not all that's happening in the world of amateur radio, but that's all we're going to talk about at least. Uh, let's see, Cheryl, do you want to read an open source topic? <laughs> she didn't even turn her mic on. She's like, no, nope. 
No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Ain't gonna do it. Okay, that's fine. Uh, well, we'll get to you down at the bottom of the show because you've got plenty of stuff to read down there. Yeah, she's ignoring me. Anyway, <laughs> let's go ahead and move on to, into open source and talk about PeerTube, PeerTube V3 specifically. It's alive! It's alive! I think is how that's supposed to be read. Uh, today we are releasing a major new version of PeerTube, our alternative to centralized video platforms like YouTube. The most important feature to talk about is what was one of the the funded stretch goals of the project we mentioned. Uh, that'd be the peer two folks. No, that would be us that we mentioned. Oh, that we mentioned. Oh, okay. Because we what? mentioned the peer tube uh, project. Right. Yeah. So okay. we had mentioned it a few shows back. Okay. So. That that we here at Linux and the Hamshack mentioned a few weeks back uh, to support live streaming. Stretch goal is that like stretch goal number thirty two feature? A feature number thirty two. Yeah. Yeah, this is well documented story. Uh create a live video using the PeerTube interface and start streaming using your favorite streaming software like OBS or FFmpeg. Uh if the admin allows it, add ability for users to save a replay of their live stream, support live transcoding in multiple resolutions. Ooh. Admins can set a limit of created lives per user instance and a duration limit created lives. Oh, live streams. Okay, I get it. I get it. We were talking about creating lives, like <laughs> making people, people making, people making. Yeah. Uh, and this is the first step of live streaming. We'll consolidate this feature next year. That that's them, not us. That's them. Yes. Yeah. Yes, that's yes, them. Yes. So yeah, it's very interesting that they got this portion of it already kind of tooled out there. So if you are playing in the uh, peer tubes, uh, you know, hosting your own peer tube. It might be uh, interesting to take a look at it now because now it can do some live streaming. So I think I'm going to take a look at it. <laughs> I haven't yet, but I will. Okay. So let's talk about something we mentioned in the last episode, but we'll dive into, well, I don't know. Is this going to be a deeper dive? or No, this will be a shallower dive, I guess, than uh, last time. Well, it's about the same. Uh, screw it. Anyway, just go ahead and tell us about Linux Mint 20.1. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyway, geez. well, we did <clears throat> we did mention it, so I mean, yeah, you know. we said it was coming out. Yeah, so now uh, Linux Mint twenty point one ISOs have been approved for release. So that's the general release. The betas has have been out for quite a quite a while, at least since yeah December. Uh, following the beta release of Linux Mint twenty point one in mid December, the stable release has been finalized and approved for release according to the Linux Mint website. While approved, the Linux Mint project has not yet published a blog post about the release for or the ISOs, but they are expected eminently. For those already running Linux Mint 20, the upgrade will be made available via the update manager, but upgrading won't be necessary if you're happy with your existing setup. Like Linux Mint 20, Linux Mint 20.1 will receive security updates until 2025, as they're both based on Ubuntu 20.04 LTS. However... It will come with desktop improvements and new apps developed by the Linux Mint project. Uh, some of the new apps that will be available include web apps that which will let you turn your favorite sites into web apps accessible from the app menu and an IPTV program called Hypnotics that will that'll come preloaded with several freely available channels. Uh, also, for Chromium fans, the Mint team has decided to begin compiling the browser itself without a dependency on the evil, evil Ubuntu's Snap 
packaging software. Actually, I'm joking about the evil part. <laughs> Just I mean, people don't like it for some reason. Anyway, that story came to us from uh, Neowin. And uh, if you're nosy, you can go out and, well, by the time this comes out, it'll probably be published that it's out there. But otherwise, I have seen it already on some of the mirrors in the stable directory. So you can actually go and find the ISO images and get the non-beta ones if the website still says beta. All right, very good. Next, we're going to talk about Project Lightspeed, which is a fully self-contained live streaming server. We're we're into the streaming, the streaming and the online content, like heavy. So, <laughs> uh, with Lightspeed, you will be able to deploy your own sub-second latency live streaming platform. The Lightspeed repository contains the instructions for installing and deploying the entire application. Well, that's handy. So far, Lightspeed includes an ingest service, broadcast service via WebRTC, and a web application for viewing. Lightspeed is, however, completely modular. What this means is that you can write your own web app, ingest server, or broadcast server. As of right now, it is not as modular as it could be. And I, who's the I? Uh, the author, I'll get that name while you keep reading. Okay. We'll be working on improving that in the future lightspeed ingest listens on port 8084 which is the port used by the ftl protocol upon receiving a connection it completes the ftl handshake and negotiates a port this is currently bugged however and defaults to 65535 which is the top numbered port once the negotiation is done lightspeed web rtc listens on the negotiated port in the future lightspeed web rtc will listen on the loopback interface so the ingest has more control on what packets are accepted and relays the incoming RTP packets over WebRTC. Lightspeed React communicates via WebSocket with Lightspeed WebRTC to exchange ICE, ICE, candidates. And once a connection is established, the video can be viewed. So there you go, Project Lightspeed. We have a link to the, and the author is? The author is Garrett Graves. So he's G-R-V-Y dev is his handle, so... And this came from a new place called Guthub. Guthub. I didn't put Guthub in there. He did put Guthub. Pretty. <laughs> I'm using the freaking uh, Raspberry Pi keyboard that sort of doesn't work at times. So. <laughs> so check out the link in the show notes, which is actually to GitHub, not Guthub, which, you know, Guthub is probably a thing, and it's probably not something you want to Google for. It's a, it's a noble Guthub. <laughs> exactly. So there you go. If you want to check out a new protocol modular platform for streaming, which is, what does it say? Sub-second latency. So there you go. Yeah, I have not checked out it. I just kind of, I put it here so I would remember to look into it. So <laughs> that's fine. It's, it's okay to use the show as a bookmark. We, we accept yeah. that. So yeah, it does. A, it does have a couple of sponsors on that project in GitHub. So it does make it a little bit more possibly compelling. But uh, anyway, uh, so like these these projects that we just talked about, hmm, you know, PeerHub, PeerTube, and Lightspeed. Well, that'll go with this next story. So you want to earn money with open source? <laughs> <laughs> well, doesn't everybody? I guess. I don't know. Matthias Endler, uh, he's a Travago developer, so, you know, he's making some money. Well, not now, right? Because... He's booking any hotels. <laughs> anyway, talks well, about I mean, making- people are still booking hotels. It's just kind of, uh, yeah. Un- yeah. Unlike uh, Bitcoin, its market is not real strong right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll just wait and see when Bitcoin crashes. Uh, <laughs> I just It's funny, funny you should say that. I made a bunch of money in Bitcoin and just pulled all my money out of it. Ah, good boy. Good boy. 
Anyway, uh, yeah, so uh, Matthias uh, uh, talks about making money in open source. He starts off, I earned zero euros from maintaining OSS software, of course, open source software, uh, for years, and I thought that's the way things are. I finally looked into the ways to monetize my projects this year, and in this talk, I want to share and what I learned along the way. It didn't make me rich yet, uh, but I built my first sustainable side project, with analysis tool analysis dash tools dot dev. I'll talk about this and other projects and the mistakes I made on the road towards sustainability. So yeah, there's there's an entire transcript of the talk if you don't want to actually listen to the talk. Um as well as there's a link to the video and stuff like that. And uh he tries to answer the universal question on GitHub. Why am I not making a hundred thousand dollars on GitHub? <laughs> <laughs> you know, <clears throat> so and he kind of talks about, you know, how dollars equate to stars and then possibly equate to followers and kind of how stars lead to support. And it's, it's quite kind of interesting. So if you're a developer and you do stuff on GitHub and, you know, maybe you've been thinking about, I, don't, I, I could do all these little side projects. Maybe I, maybe I should start thinking about how to capitalize on it. Um, it is an interesting talk. I listened to it today and I actually turned off other podcasts I was listening to <laughs> and I, I listened to the whole video and you can do that. You don't have to watch it. I mean, he does have slides and stuff like that, but, um, you know, it's, 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 he's, he's a pretty good speaker. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend just kind of tick checking this out if you're interested at all in any kind of monetization of, well, almost any software really. But, you know, we talk about open source in this segment. Right. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Very cool. And a link, of course, to that will be in the show notes. So if you want to check it out, click on that link and check it out. All right. So we, Bill, Bill had like a nothing topic in here. So I threw in a couple that are, I don't know, loosely open source and Linux and amateur radio, or at least radio related. They're almost nothing. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I thought this one was kind of interesting. I know we have at least one listener looking at you, Don. You might be interested in this. <laughs> uh, a 3D printed pie cluster. Uh, and this, this actually came, I didn't put down where it came from. I believe it came from Hackaday. Um, if you, uh, if you ever need to cluster up to 14 Raspberry Pis in an equal number of two and a half inch hard drives, you might want to look at the Raspberry Pi Server Mark 3 case from Ivan Kulishov. This new redesign allows for more boards along with a reduction in the number of parts. The design is also modular, so there should be new components. There should be new components in the future. In addition to the 3D printed parts and the electronics, you also need five fans and some miscellaneous hardware and cables. The setup is made to accommodate a power over Ethernet NAT hat, not NAT hat, clean my glasses, but <laughs> apparently you can also get it to work without it. You also need a power supply for the fans. So we aren't sure the Ethernet power matters that much. The 10 STL files and some other data is in one downloadable zip file. Of course, some of these you print multiple times, so expect to keep your 3D printer busy for a while. There you go. If you want to print a cluster, it's it's actually kind of cool looking. So you can check that out. And uh, Don, I know you're trying to cluster your pies, so (laughs) (laughs) might be something you're interested in. Uh, I, think, I think buying a rack for your pie is probably is probably exceeding the whole point of having a teeny tiny computer. <laughs> well, it's a teeny <laughs> tiny rack, actually. Well, yeah, I mean, you could probably put it on like one of those little tabletop audio racks. 
Yeah, I think I think it was designed maybe to fit into a 19-inch rack, but I mean, I don't think you have to do that. Hmm. So, uh, but anyway, uh, I guess I'll let you go ahead and read the next one that I threw in here, so you can sure. read it really badly. There you go. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Intel's new a Linux driver mitigates RFI. Oh, I see the 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 ham shack tie in here. Uh, uh, adding to the new features coming for Linux 5.11. The Intel RFIM driver has been queued up as the company's latest open source driver. The RFIM driver tweaks the DDR memory rates and fully integrated voltage regulators stemming, if believed, to be causing <laughs> Wi-Fi 5G interference. Oh, my God, 5G. It's going to kill us all. Uh, for modern laptops and other small form factor devices using Intel SOCs, this driver can have the SOC's integrated voltage regulator switch frequencies by a small percentage to avoid the noise harmonic interference with 5G slash Wi-Fi. The driver can tweak the IVR operation just enough that it doesn't interfere, but without interference impacting the performance of the voltage regulator. <clears throat> the driver also changes the DDR data rates if there is a strong radio frequency interference from the memory. Well, that's interesting. How does it detect that? <clears throat> the, the functionality, though, is toggled by the BIOS on supported systems as real-time DDR RFI mitigation, or similarly named option. This RFIM driver has been queued in to the thermal next code ahead of the Linux 5.1 merge window, 5.11 merge window, sorry. This thermal pull will is also <laughs> introducing the support for Intel workload hints for INT340X a thermal power tuning. And that story came to us from Foronix. Oh, so, you, so you know it's crap. So <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, everything we do here is crap. So I mean, <laughs> you don't have to worry about the sources there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's do Foronics. Okay, so here, here's where we like, here's where we wing it. I'm gonna let yeah. you wing it first because I, I really haven't been doing anything. I mean, Cheryl well, can you, tell everybody about her hor horrible, horrible accident. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely hear from her. Well, mine's uh pretty straightforward. I did finally uh rip the Mac OS operating system off of my Mac Mini. And I installed Fedora 33 with the lovely butter FS. <laughs> and um, I only blew up the install once. Uh, <laughs> um, but after reinstalling it, it, uh, it worked fine. I have already disabled Wayland and gone to Xorg because I was trying to record some stuff with disk, uh, not discord. Well, Discord too, but I was trying to record some stuff with OBS right on the system, which of course I didn't want to go and get the plug-in for handling Wayland. God, they really just need to fix that. That's just like pathetic. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah, so I copied all my stuff over. I did like two or three videos on it and screwed all of them up. <laughs> Because I ran into a caveat at in each of them. Uh, so I'm not sure I'm going to piece that together to make a video or I'm just going to record one completely separate with all the steps that I now have in place. <laughs> um, I also, let's see, what did I do with, I, I have the latest, uh, which we didn't talk about, the latest WSJTX uh, RC3 build is out, 2.3.0 RC3. 
so I compiled that because the uh, RPMs on the website are just like the Debs on the website, at least they used to be, where they won't run on the latest build. Uh, so yeah, the, it, it complains quite adamantly about the RPMs there because they're for Fedora 33 or 40, 30, 32 and below, basically. Uh, I installed the RC3 Deb and it worked fine. Yeah, yeah. It's for the LTS build, right? Uh, did you, did I, you I install don't remember. in 2010? Uh, that's a good question. Let me check because I don't remember what my ham shack is running anymore. <laughs> oh, okay. So we'll find out from. I'll that. find out in okay. a second. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I did uh, compile it, which it's not that big a deal to compile. And you know, you know uh, if you need instructions on getting that done, it's it's not that hard. The, the 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 documentation is quite good. You just need to install a few supporting packages, um, let the thing you know compile, and uh, I'm just pointing to my build directory directly from uh, from CQR log to run it in remote mode. Runs great. Popped up in uh, dark mode. I did have to adjust the font sizes so it didn't look as goofy. And then, I, of course, I've tweaked the uh, the dark mode highlights so it actually doesn't look like complete garbage. Um, but, yeah, yeah, everything worked really well. Uh, my log copied over from CQR log, so I actually just copied the whole directory from the .config. So I didn't have to really do anything. I didn't have to configure it because everything's the same. I'm using the uh, SU17. Which I did, uh, uh, which is my rig interface from Yezu that goes into the FT450D. I, uh, I did figure out my transmit problem. I had mentioned previously that I had to keep the transmit gain all the way down on the SCU17. And if I touched it at all, it just broke everything. Um, so now I'm actually pulling down the audio from the sound card side. So it's at 50%. And now like that dial actually has some, you know, movability. It, I can move it up and down and it actually impacts my ALC on the rig. So, um, yeah, could have been an oversight on my part. Maybe it's just really, really hot to, to begin with. It doesn't play like the, uh, the signal link does where you can leave it at max volume and, you know, the signal link kind of takes care of everything. The SCU 17 operates a little differently. So maybe users that have the, the built-in one that comes basically in the FT991s, um, if you experience that same thing, I'd, I'd kind of like to know um, about that. So if you can give us some feedback on your experience with uh, how you're setting your your transmit bar slider, like in WSJTX, that bar that's all the way off to the right, down by the, the generate standard messages, there's a power slider there, which basically controls your volume output from your sound card uh if you have that on the 991 that would be interesting to hear i'm not sure which users out there have that particular rig i thought somebody did that was talking with us so so yeah maybe if uh, you have that and <clears throat> you can give us some feedback on that that would be kind of interesting at least at least to me as a scu 17 um operator owner <laughs> uh anything else uh, no, not really. Um, the shack's pretty much the same. Antenna's the same. I still haven't done any antenna work. Um, operating on my HF9V, which is the butternut. And, uh, you know, until it doesn't work, I'm going to continue, <laughs> continue to use it because I'm lazy and I don't feel like, uh, taking it down and, and, uh, putting up the other antenna. If I still have some usable, you know, usable bands on it. So, uh, <laughs> there there you go that's everything from uh my shack how about yours well there's really not a lot going on here i did i can't remember if i i assume it was after the last recording that i got the repeater did i even talk about ordering the repeater 
on the last show? I don't remember. <laughs> you may have mentioned it, but yeah, that's interesting. You got it, and you also built something, even though it's not ham radio related. I built something as well. First of all, um, oh, that yes, yes. <laughs> it's not really shack related. I mean, it, it's still kind of cool. Okay. Well, anyway, so yeah, the Yezu. Thanks to Tony for telling me about the fact that he heard somewhere, I can't remember where he said he heard it, that uh, Yezu was doing their little sell-off of refurbished DR1X and DR2X repeater systems, and they were at a, an exceptionally low price. Uh, so I jumped on the opportunity to pick up a DR1X for next to nothing, and it's it's been sitting here at the house. I have actually powered it on and played with it a little bit but there's not much i can do with it because um i only have i mean i could have plugged it into two different antennas and and actually you know done something with it but i kind of want to get a better setup so i'm in the process of trying to figure out what kind of antenna setup i want and whether or not i need to get a duplexer and uh in contact with the local missouri uh, repeater coordination council and everything to get frequency allocations and all that stuff. But hello, oh, that's me. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was banging my pipe out. But but ultimately, I would like to um, get that repeater online. It will be. It is a Yezu repeater, of course, so it will be operating dual mode C4 FM and regular FM. It will be connected to the Linux and the Hamshack. Um, Wires X room 65982. So it'll be all connected digital internet, all that stuff. So everybody will be getting into it and it will be operating with the club's call sign AF0SS. So all of that should be happening at some point. Basically, it's just a matter of me trying to find the Roan tower that I'm looking for, where to get it and the other accessories I need to get either. Well, I think I'm going to go with a two antenna setup, uh, probably on opposite ends of a building and. That should keep them spaced far enough, and the power should be low enough that it won't cause a lot of attenuation and all that kind of crap. So, but that's all in the works. So that's uh, that's one thing I've got going on. Um, I've got the seventy one hundred and the TS five seventy in the shack. Been doing doing some actual single sideband, not FT eight. So What's that's that. That's <laughs> something I've actually been listening to things and talking to people. I've actually also been on All Star and stuff like that. So. Trying to uh, trying to flex all the muscles. I even I, did some ritty. Oh yeah, there was the ritty thing, and I meant to get on there, but I never got a chance. Oh, you to never get, got on it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I never did get back to that. So yeah, and then the thing that Bill was talking about was me, which I posted on Facebook all the pictures and everything, but it was me redoing my my sound area. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, I I have a you know for lack of a term, what we call an underground concert venue. And, uh, I mean, it's fully set up with DMX lighting and ambient effects and full sound. I have a 16-channel mixer and 8,000 watts of sound power and all kinds of stuff. And it was just, I was, my original build was just cramming me into a tiny little corner with my mixer and uh, light controls and stuff like that. So I went and built myself a much nicer area. Topped it off with some uh, marble-looking tile, uh, vinyl tile floor, which actually came out really good. Um, ringed the thing with LED lights, and like I said, the pictures are are on uh, Facebook. If you want to face bag, as Bill calls it, if you want to check that out, you can see uh, basically step one through step finish. 
And, uh, yeah, it came out pretty good. And it's also made a really good place for me to go out and have a cigar now and again. So <laughs> can't, can't uh, complain about that. And, oh, yeah, and the other thing is I'm learning how to play guitar. That's that's something. Also not amateur radio related, but it's been fun. Like Guitar uh, Hero guitar? Or? No, 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 like an actual guitar. <laughs> um, <laughs> ba- bass guitar, but still, i got to start somewhere. And, um, a guitar? A guitar, no. <laughs> we have a guitar, a MIDI bass guitar, but, uh, that, that actually is for a rock band. <laughs> but, uh, learning how to play guitar has been fun. I actually feel like I'm accomplishing something. And, uh, so that's been pretty cool. And, uh, then the only other thing that's been happening is, uh, the thing Cheryl's going to tell us about. Hopefully she's still listening. Oh, I heard the music. still listening. Of course you're still listening. Okay. So uh, so what happened to you back on the 13th of December? Well, back uh, back on the 13th of December, it was a case of coulda, woulda, shoulda, but didn't. Um, Russ and I had gone to Kansas City to do some Christmas light watching with some friends. We were leaving the hotel the next morning, and Cheryl had Russ's laptop in her lap, along with a handful of other things. And instead of my feet being on the footrest of my wheelchair, I was using my feet to open doors. Started down a fairly steep sidewalk towards our car. Russ's laptop started sliding out of my lap. And in the process of trying to do stupid human tricks to keep the laptop in my lap and not letting it break, hitting the concrete sidewalk or the parking lot, Cheryl managed to get her foot stuck under her electric wheelchair while wheelchair was still in a fairly uh, fast rate of motion. And the wheelchair literally pulled me out of the seat. And before it was over with, my ankle was shattered and I had a severe spiral fracture of my left tibia. So I ended up having emergency surgery in Kansas City. And I now have a rod in my leg to match the one that got pulled out a few years ago from my car wreck that I had 26 years ago. So, um, what was it, Tuesday this week, they took the staples out of my leg and said it looked good. The surgeon in Kansas City said it could take up to a year to heal. Um, the surgeon on that I saw Tuesday said that uh, it could, but he didn't seem to think that that was going to be the case. Because he said, you know, my my healing was looking good. So, I am got my fingers crossed that... In case Hamvention does happen this year, I will at least be weight bearing because I am not at this point. So, so Russ has gotten um, a quick lesson in minor cooking and minor laundry and minor errands. And what else have I had you doing? <laughs> well, some of the stuff you I have to do will not talk about. And uh, <clears throat> but what, like helping me in the bathroom? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that sort of stuff in yeah. and out of, in and out of bed getting in your wheelchair stuff like that i mean you have some mobility and, and stuff like that but i mean you can't really put any weight on your leg so i have been taking on a few additional duties around the house so i'm tired a lot but you know it is what it is but you're definitely way better now three weeks later than you were three weeks ago so oh so, and uh, that's why she sounds different because, as previously stated, she can't be in the room because normally she could take two steps and sit in the chair that's across from me, but she can't do that right now, so she's 
perched out in the kitchen using a crappy headset. <laughs> but we'll uh, we'll figure out a better way by next week. So anyway, yeah, but you're still alive, <laughs> and uh, for anyone who wants to, dismay. yeah, for anyone who wants to send uh, flowers or condolences or whatever, or just follow the story, uh, Facebag is the place for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, that, that's pretty much all you've been doing is uh, convalescing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But with that said, we should probably go ahead and move on to the social media roundup. And uh, since you are have convalesced to the point where you're sitting upright and talking into a microphone, we'll let you go ahead and do that. Alrighty then. So for this time around, for our Patreons, we had Brandon Rosek, John Spriggs, Robert Lewis, Robert Pitts, Douglas Redder, David Jakeway, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erno Costales, Samuel Vimes, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gever, Herb excuse me, Herb Garcia, Steve Sainer, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. Excuse me. We uh, for our subscriptions we had Isaac Geer or Geyer. He's new, and I'm sorry if I butchered your name. And Thomas Foy, who's also new. Thank you very much. Yay! Yay! Yeah. We have Michael Burdak, Kevin Ivy, Tony Coberly, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spots, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler. Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Angle, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biella, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Brent Gribble and James M. Johnson join us. On Twitter, we had at rfay150, at Mantic, or Mantico Research, at C-A-S-C-W-X-O-B-S, at Greg underscore KD1MU, and at GP or G Palakis. That's what I'm going to go with. On YouTube, Michael Burdak, Don Cast, 503-ALI, Steve Tressel, and Paul Graham joined us. And no one joined our mailing list, and there were no merchandise sales. No, there weren't, but we did get a couple of new subscribers for the new year, so thank you for that, and thanks to everyone who's been a subscriber for a little bit or for a lot of it. We appreciate it always. And I guess, you know, I was I was going to get around to talking about whether or not we're going to fire up our Hamvention campaign to get the remaining funds that we need to get to Hamvention, but since we have no idea if Hamvention is going to happen, obviously that's going to get pushed back until we hear something out of Dara. So... With that, I think we have reached the end of the program. So, well, it's a uh, it's only our second program of the new year, but you know, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so if anybody has any feedback they want to send us or suggestions for topics or anything along those lines, please send them our way. We love feedback of any kind. Of course, our our merch store is still out there. We have new shiny stickers, thanks to Bill. Extremely shiny. Extremely shiny. A sort of a metallic rainbow shiny thing they've got going on. They're pretty cool. Um, I've got I've got some here, but they're waiting for you to purchase, and they're very reasonable and a, and a nice way to support the show. So check those out and the other things we have available. And I guess we'll just go ahead and sign off with that. 
and let people get on with their lives. And we hope you have a great week, and we'll catch you the next time around. But for now, this has been episode number 386 of Linux in the Hamshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX. I'm Cheryl, W5MOO. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73. for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8pm Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at url.bcts.info stroke LHS Live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.info stroke discord. You can also drop us an email info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show-themed merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a local Linux convention or hand Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info for more information or visit the homepage for details. Until next time, remember to always heed your hedonism. Hamshack and the Linux in the Hamshack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.